Hey everyone, it's Justin from Inverse, and we want to let you know we have a whole new series of topics prepared just for you. They're going to be a little different. We've been following the Sabbath school topics for all four quarters every year, but now we're going to divert a little bit. We've gotten a lot of feedback from social media about young adults all around the world wanting to study their own topics. So we're going to follow the world church, but take a little riff on each topic. So for the next quarter, we're going to look at not Ezra and Nehemiah, but only the book of Nehemiah from the perspective of biblical leadership, how young adults can take over the world for Jesus. So we're really excited about this change. We want your feedback, and hopefully you're just as excited to study the Bible with us. Join our conversation here on Inverse. On this episode of Inverse, we're going to read a boring chapter of Nehemiah. Is it really boring, and what are all the details, and what do they have to do with God? Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, we are in the midst of studying the book of Nehemiah. We're so happy you decided to join us for this week. We are in a very particular week here in, in chapter 3. And if you read it, and we will read it after we pray, it's kind of not one of those nice, you know, and this happened and this happened narrative passages. It's just kind of a list. We're going to look at a little bit deeper on how to survive these kind, of, uh, these kind of chapters. So Israel, can you pray for us as we read Scripture? Father in heaven, every time we open your word you have something to say to us. And we pray that as we study, that we will hear your word speaking to us individually and collectively. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. And Callie, as chapter 3, I mean, it's 30 verses, 32 verses long. So, uh, hey, just read whatever verses you want. Really? <laughs> Let's do it from the beginning? Let's start from the beginning. Okay. We'll, we'll hop around here as we do. All right. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. Also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Arijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Can I stop? Because there's, there's more names. Yeah, okay. okay. There's, there's, there are a lot of names here. And if you are like Kelly, you can get a little bit caught in those names. My so let's, names. Let's, take a, let's take a pause. And we'll get into the actual very text and the flow of, of the narrative. But, I mean, there are, there are some, some chapters in the Bible that are, are I mean, I mean, is it is it blasphemous to say that they're, they are yes. kind of they, they? You're basically blasphemous. Okay, so they, it's 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 not as harder than others. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so how do we survive? Okay. Just general principles. How do we survive these chapters? One thing I did even in going through is look for things that are different than the others, mm-hmm. and so because it's not just like this person did like the same exact thing, and that's where some of the um, when it's just listing genealogies, that's a little hard for me. So but, yeah, genealogies. <laughs> he begets, 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 begets. Those are kind of hard for me. Yeah. They, but this one, there's there's different details, and I don't know if you're ready for me to go there. Well, but, let's let's. Well, 
we'll get into the details, yeah. but, in but that's general, one way is to yeah. look for like there are oh, differences that that wasn't there before, or that's the first time it's been mentioned, or just details that aren't the same. So this requires some analytical skills and yeah. kind of looking and comparing and mm -hmm. using your brain tissue a bit. Okay, the, the general principle of scripture studying the Bible is that no matter what happens, whether we feel like we get something out of it mm -hmm. or we don't feel like we get something out of it. Something is happening. Mm. You know, the, the, the infinite God is communicating and communing mm -hmm. with the finite mind. When I was in, when I was in high school, uh, I made a commitment to start studying the Bible every day. And I would study the Bible, and I felt like this is not getting me anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, in my mind, I was envisioning God's going to come down, and my face is going to change like Moses, and people are going to be like, whoa, you've been with God for 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> um, and... And I would read, and nothing, I got nothing out of it. I was like, what in the world is this? Like, who cares? It had no significant impact. Do you remember what you read? I was reading the book <laughs> of Proverbs, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I actually made it a point, because of that, I made it a point to just start reading the book of Proverbs, a proverb a day. That's what my, my dad taught me. He's like, you, you can read a proverb every day. There's 31 uh, chapters. And I never oh, felt... So oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, and, and I never felt any, I never felt any significant you know, impact. Yeah. But what has happened is that over time, mm -hmm. these things, these insignificant moments begin to bring significance to life. You know, like you'll go through an experience, uh, like to this very day, one of the Proverbs is, you know, that the dog returns to his vomit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, I, I think I was uh, a, a young boy when I memorized that in uh, fourth grade. And I thought she yeah, memorized that first. It was it was uh was given to you. Yeah, it was given to oh, Mrs. Okay. Yeah, Mrs. Laughlin. Okay, my we appreciate teacher. Mrs. Laughlin. Yeah, we love her. Yeah. And uh, and then I felt like there was no significant impact on my life, but then you know, you start going through life and you you start experiencing things, you start seeing something, mm -hmm. things taking place, and then oh, this is you know, this guy re coming back to doing this naughty thing is like the dog returning to his vomit. This is what it means. And so sometimes we get discouraged when we don't have these huge moments with God where we feel like angels are singing around us and the clouds are opening and the sun is coming down. But we have to understand that the experience, the overall experience of being in the habit of studying Scripture is itself the experience that God is mm -hmm. seeking to teach us. I love what you said. Insignificant things bring significance. Uh, that's, 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 there's something adult about that or something, you know, like <laughs> sure. it's, it, it's true. I mean, I, it, we want the quick fix right away and some things, the, the, the things that matter take time. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, he, what he said is kind of the thing that gets me through these sections, um, but maybe phrase a little bit different, but uh, in terms of being patient with the process, mm -hmm. um, because some things don't make sense by themselves, but then the more you read, the more that you study, the more context that you have to understand mm -hmm. things in the future. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first time around, it's kind of like, okay, what does that matter? But then when you come back to it, like the second time around, it's like, oh, you know, I remember I read da-da-da, and this relates to what I'm reading right now. So you have, for instance, you have the book of Ezra, and then you have Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. The experience that happens in Ezra is significant to what happens in Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're just, just reading Nehemiah by itself is a blessing, mm -hmm. but when you now have the extra context, um, it adds more significance to yeah. what you're reading. So being patient with the experience, even though right now it may not mm -hmm. seem deep or powerful or whatever, but sometimes with the more context that you have, the more to life that scripture mm -hmm. comes. No, I think also uh, passion plays a part into this. 
there are different exercises and different different topics uh, out there in the world that are really boring. But if you're very passionate about all these little details, people get wrapped up and they love memorizing and getting into it, and it provides the basis for even a deeper experience. For example, yeah. like sports is one of the most insignificant things I can think of, but people who are really into it, I mean, they memorize the, the ERA and the GRI and the, the PVP of all the, the people and whatever. Uh, cars, you know, they memorize all the engine parts, you know. Which are what? Which are very significant <laughs> if you uh, have a car problem. Uh, I, I just want the car to go, but they, they're like, they want this engine with this, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and when it comes to spiritual things, not that we have to memorize all this stuff for Bible trivia's sake, but all these things play a part in a larger picture, and passion gets you through some of those mon- mundanities, yeah. if that's if that's a word. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a word, Kelly? No. <laughs> I <laughs> another aspect I think too is is balancing especially I just think in my own life is balancing the discipline of like well I'm going to read anyways mm-hmm. but also pleading with God to give you an experience mm-hmm. even the mundane parts because I know sometimes like well I'm just going to power through my spiritual discipline I'm going to read the chapter and get nothing out of it but I still mm-hmm. did it yeah but like Jesus really like can that's the, uh, the checklistism right right you just exactly check, I did it and ugh, and you just go through it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I think you know the prayer of you know open my eyes Lord to behold wondrous things out of your law like God has to open our eyes and sometimes it's like super obvious like John three sixteen very spiritual application very clear yes. but other times it's like that doesn't make sense but even then like god doesn't want us to keep going and be like let me find something that does make sense but like ask yes. and search and think about it and do research and that that added digging brings us you know the, the blessing so I, I think there's there are two levels where one there's some parts of scripture where the lord does not want us to understand he places his right. hand over it and like i in your experience i don't want you to understand it right now and there's other aspects maybe a tad little bit difficult and there's like lord saying try to <laughs> understand read and and, and and pummel through and you'll get it when you do yeah. and just it requires a little bit of exertion our end but at the end it's our connection to the lord and i just Many times when I'm reading scripture, I'm like, Lord. And for me, it's it's Psalms. It's not Proverbs. <laughs> Psalms is my, maybe maybe for you guys, it's it, you love it. I am like, all right, you praise the Lord the 900th time. We get it. And I get it. <laughs> but what's the what's the structure? What is the, the implication? What's the theory here? And it's just, oh, praise the Lord again. And we're like, hey. and, yeah. and there is an experience there, not discounting. Right. Uh, but you, I plead and I plead and I'm rebuked that yeah. you're, you're looking at this so analytically. Why can't you have the same existential experience as, as David did? I mean, be, so on that level, that, that is a blessing. It's multifactorial on, on who you are as a person. It also, oh, go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, just to, to add to what Callie was saying in terms of pleading, mm. that every time that we come to Scripture, we're really asking that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, mm. you know, yeah. and asking for His guidance because He's the one who illuminates our That's minds right. to teach us the things that, we Amen. need to understand from Amen. the Lord. And that's what we do here at Inverse. I'm gonna let's go, let's actually now stop talking about it. And let's get into it. Callie, bring us back to the text. What are some <laughs> things that you see? I have in three. There? How many can I share? Uh, well, let's share. Okay. <laughs> Let, <laughs> allow us to, to, well, to jump in. I'll share to, one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go to verse uh, seven. Verse seven. Three. Okay. So, well, first, just kind of setting up, even because I kind of cut it off at the beginning, but it's basically talking about, like, this person built this part, then mm-hmm. this person built this part, and then it's just kind of going around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So, in verse 7, one of the perfumers made repairs, and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. So, I just want to mostly just say they're perfumers. That's their job, and they fortify part of the wall. Mm-hmm. And then next to them, Rafa- Verse 7? That's verse 8. Verse oh, 8. Oh, I have a 7 because it's a footnote. My mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, verse 8. Okay. Verse eight. 
Now in verse 9. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and next to them, Rephaiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Mm -hmm. Next to them, da, da, da. But like, that goes so fast. But okay, so you have perfumers. Yes. And they're working right next to people who are leaders of half of the district of Jerusalem. Yes. So you have someone who just sells perfume mm -hmm. next to someone who's a leader of a district of mm -hmm. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So it's like me working next to like the mayor or the governor. Like, mm -hmm. hey. We're just praying the same wall. What's up? Like, but there's no distinction. So you'd be the perfumer in this yeah, scenario. Yeah, I'm the okay. perfumer. All right. Essential oils person. Oh, okay. I'm the essential, essential oils. oils. Okay. I'm a fan of lavender. That's true. So, <laughs> the millennial working with you. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, so I just like that because there is no fanfare. Like, and he was a leader, and he condescended himself to make the wall next to. Like, but it's just this person did this, and this mm -hmm. person did that. But there's. There's no distinction between them. Mm -hmm. And even going further, so this, I know for sure this is verse 13. Okay, verse one, 13. Three. Okay, so it keeps going down. Yes. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the, refu the refu refuse gate. Mm -hmm. So, and it's kind of like, okay, a thousand cubits, we don't use that, so whatever, moving on. But if you actually look at a visual, and I encourage everyone to Google, like a visual of who did what part of the wall. Yes. These, Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah end up doing about one-fifth to one-fourth of the entire wall by themselves. Mm -hmm. But they still just get a verse. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> so it's not like we owe extra thanks to these people for pitching in. And yes. so I just love the, like, the equality and just the side-by-sideness of it. Like, we're all serving God. We're all building the same wall. It doesn't matter what you do for your day job. We are all serving the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you don't get extra credit for doing more, and you don't get less credit for doing less. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just, Everyone I think it's does beautiful. What they are able to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's okay. The wall is this wall. What's beautiful about it is that it is the great equalizer. The, the, some of the verses that you mentioned, I'm, I'm like crossing out because <laughs> that's what I noticed too. Um, but it is, it is the great equalizer, and, and there is mentioned in verse five. Some are building. Mm -hmm. Some are repairing. Mm -hmm. yep. Some are not working. Like the nobles, yep. you know, they're like, and the nobles didn't work mm -hmm. in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in verse 5. We're going to remember that. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, Nehemiah, you have the great equalizer from one perspective. From the other perspective is you have Nehemiah is noticing mm -hmm. what is taking place. People are watching, even yep. though they might, he's not going to sit down and argue with you. Like, hey, nobles, how come you're not working? He might not argue like, with you, but he's noting, all right, hey, <laughs> nobles aren't working. Interesting. All right. Okay, let's... hold that thought. When we come back, we're going to look at what is Nehemiah recording. He's not only recording those who work and those who don't work, but also some very interesting details. When we come back, here in Inverse. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there... Join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're in Nehemiah chapter 3, and hopefully you have it open in front of you. Having the text in front of you helps with the, the, the study of the book uh, a bit. And as Kelly was mentioning, that this, if you actually have the visual, if you have opportunity, Google it. We're actually going around the entire city of Jerusalem. So when we're looking at the fish gate and the sheep gate and, like, you know, the refuse gate, the trash gate, to us, this is to totally foreign territory. Right. But there, it's actually following actual geographic points around the city. Um, some other points that, that you guys see there, uh, Israel. Yeah, uh, sorry, is it Go okay? Ahead. No, Thank you, you. you started right, before yeah. the break. So one of the, one of the main things that, that impacted me was that there were people that were working by the refuse gate, mm -hmm. you know? And that, to me, I mean, can you imagine out of all the jobs 
It's like you get to work by the trash. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yet that was an important part of the, uh, of the building of the wall. Absolutely. And, and in, in a sense, I mentioned this before, but in a sense, this wall is the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. You have the perfumers working next to the leaders. Mm -hmm. You have some people that are working next to where the, the garbage is going to be, and you have that whole. But everyone is pitching in to do their job mm -hmm. because... All, um, every single person is important. Every job is important. And so it is in, in building God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we think, look, I want to build near the, the entrance, the main gate. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't want to build near the refuse gate. No one's going to be like, you know, wanting to, to, to be there. Or I want, if I'm going to do extra work, I want to have at least three extra verses. You know, that was <laughs> mm -hmm. a keen insight I didn't catch. And, and, um, but they don't. You know, these people are so focused on getting the task done. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it shows the power of what a united people can do when they set their mind to do something yeah. and when they don't care uh, whether or not they receive credit. Mm -hmm. I, I see the meticulous detail that Nehemiah has. Sometimes we think of spiritual leaders as just being like, you know, ambiguous. I'm praying for you and just kind of, you know, make it fuzzy. But here, Nehemiah has recorded this in exact detail of how many cubits, of how many people. And maybe just to play a little bit of counterpoint to what Callie's saying, yes, everyone is equal. But there are some, part, there are some people who do double the work, and he mentions that. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go to verse 4... Uh, it says that next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berokiah, the son of Mesh, the one that Kelly couldn't rep uh, pronounce. Let's go to verse 30. <laughs> go to verse now? 30. <laughs> after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berokiah, made re repairs in front of his dwelling. Mm -hmm. So you see this Meshulam, son of Berokiah, it, it's, it's a very hard name to pronounce, but it's mentioned there twice, and it shows that he's into detail yeah. uh, recording yeah. these things. It's an appropriate characteristic of God's leaders to mm -hmm. get into these seemingly pointless details, but they matter. It's also... Another group that's mentioned twice yes. are the Tekoites. Yes, yes, in, yes, yes. In verse 5, you have the Tekoites made repairs. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 27, you have after them Tekoites repaired another section. Mm -hmm. um, what I found interesting about that was in verse 5, you have the Tekoites making repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to mm -hmm. the work of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, when you're working and your leaders aren't pulling their weight, it can get discouraging, but instead of getting discouraged, these guys are doing extra work. Mm -hmm. They're working this section, and then they go, and they <laughs> go around, and they work another section. Mm -hmm. And that really struck me that they weren't discouraged by the lack of, I guess, motivation, mm -hmm. you know, from their leaders, mm -hmm. the, their nobles, mm -hmm. um, but they continued to work faithfully even though their nobles weren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good principle of leadership to not judge, but you can still discern uh, diligence from from laziness. Mm -hmm. there, there is a pattern that you see throughout this passage on some uh, Bible verses. This is they built on the other section of their dwelling is what the New King James says. You see that over and over again. Why why did Nehemiah assign that portion to them, the, the wall in front of their house? Yeah, because I mean, if the wall breaks, you don't, if, if you live in a place, you want to make sure the wall's not going to break invested. right there. Yeah, there's, there's a personal investment and emotional why? investment. Because that's where you live. You don't want you don't you, you don't want, want you don't want okay. to you don't want the wall to break down at your house. Then you so die. if there is uh, enemies on the outside and they're looking for the weakest part, then it's happens to be right in front of your I know, house. Like I know that part is safe. I did yeah. that myself. Yeah. There's also an aesthetic component. Uh, they 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 wake up every morning. They're going to see that wall in front of them. <laughs> 
And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's traffic. It's from a logistic perspective. They can just go outside and they're walking. It's easy to do it. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things we can analyze here, are really cool things. Any other portions that you see that? I like one of the, 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 one of the first verses that, that were uh, mentioned mm-hmm. um, is that the priests rose up mm-hmm. and they began to build. And it says, and they consecrated the wall. Mm-hmm. So there's a twofold component here. First of all, the fact that the priests are working. You know, the mm-hmm. priests have been sent aside to do a, a special work and so forth and so on, yet they were not excluded from the building of the wall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, as when it comes to spiritual leadership, we think like, uh, or in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts, you know, all the, the apostles, all they did was study the word and preach. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the impression that the mundane work is unholy. But this kind of goes against that kind of concept or that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Here, the priests, they're working next to the rest of the people. And then in addition to that, it shows their unique contribution or their contribution to the wall, uh, to the building of the project in which they also not just build, but they consecrate the wall. In other words, they make something that's mundane and they make it into a spiritual thing. Mm. And, um, you mm. know, in, in, in working for God, there is no mundane. Even the things that seem to have no spiritual value in and of themselves can have a spiritual impact on the lives of the people who are doing them. There's a book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary where this lady's saying, hey, when, spiritual living is not being separate and, like, you know, tr- transcending, you know, earthly things. It's just finding uh, faith, being faithful in these small things in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this, these are small forms of worship. So for, for mom, it's, it's, you know, waking the kids up and putting their diaper on. For dad, it's, you know, putting a nail in the, not that those are gender specific, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know, just these little, little things that seem mundane and ordinary and unspiritual. Uh, we need to find that faithfulness is not just in terms of these big things, only big things, but also these small things. Yeah. And, I, and, I and it's like that. faithfulness, biblical faithfulness is determined by the spirit in which a work is done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what holiness is. Holiness is not only reading the Bible, but holiness is cleaning the toilet with the right attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, holiness has to do more so not with the task being done, but with the person doing the task. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have that evidence here with the, uh, with the priests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to speak, speak to... I, I, it's digressing from the... the point. That's okay. um, To speak to the gender thing. Yeah. <laughs> Come before you. No, in verse twelve. Um, yeah. Verse twelve. Yeah. Thank you. I was hoping that would have been I forgot brought it. up. I have yeah. to. <laughs> I underlined it. I forgot to say it. Sorry. No, verse twelve. I mean, you have first. You have the mention of uh, the verse nine. Next to them, Rephi, the son of her leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Yes. And then in verse twelve, Shalom, son of Halohesh, mm-hmm. he's leader of the other half, mm-hmm. right? He and his daughters made repairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean. You can't help but notice that, and his daughters, you yes. know, that his daughters were out there, like, doing this work, which could be, quote, considered man work, um, but they were out there and invested in the work of rebuilding the wall as well. Yes, and clearly it's yeah. not man work. Women out there, you need to be out there and Build nailing walls. some stuff to the walls and building and using your muscles and not be relegated to the kitchen and to the... I think you redeemed yourself. Right. <laughs> I think you're good. Right. No, I appreciated that. That that, and even the fact that Nehemiah mentions that yes. they were working because mm-hmm. it could be that they would have worked and you know, not, been, he, yeah. not mentioned that they worked, yeah. but he recognizes that the daughters were out there working as well. So I think that speaks to Nehemiah's 
uh, concern over the contribution that every part of society can bring to the yeah. work as well. Of which we're given, we're given instructions as, as Christians to, to be faithful in all things regardless of gender. Uh, males are instructed to, you know, learn how to sew, put a button on your shirt, change, uh, change diapers, learn how to cook. And then women are, are instructed to, hey, do some hard work. Uh, sometimes they use the other side is like, hey, I'm a woman. I don't know how to do this. I don't want to learn how to do this. I'm just going to call, you know, a man who can do this. And the man just comes and turns on the electrical uh, switch <laughs> for the battery to, to come on. I think you're uh, regressing. I, I am. Yeah. So, yeah. Kelly, I'm, not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go completely let, different let me, uh, non-gender <laughs> direction. Yeah. We're going to get letters. The, the, um, well, you're going to say uh, something. Gonna go say something Ladies actually. first. <laughs> Thanks. I feel so conflicted right now. Okay, so... Another aspect that really speaks to me of this chapter three is, yes, Nehemiah sees all these things and he records them, but also I think it's indicative of how God really sees all things. Yes. And God sees our efforts and God sees, yeah, if we did a thousand cubits of the work or if we did a little bit and God appreciates those things. Mm -hmm. And there are so many times that I feel like, like, yeah, there's like the prideful aspect, like I want people to appreciate me, but then sometimes like, I just need to be like, did someone see how hard that was? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, did someone see like how difficult that was for me? And I still did it. Like no one, no one, no one cares. No one knows. Okay. <laughs> but it's like really, you know, I say God it, sees. Jesus knows mm -hmm. and, and God sees those things. And so Amen. whether it's mundane or it's, you know, a thousand cubits or something super spiritual, super not like God really does see those things and he blesses us and he encourages us and he appreciates it, even if nobody else does. Your labor mm -hmm. is not in vain. Well done, good and Paul faithful says. servant. Yes, mm -hmm. amen, amen. Israel. This is, I'm looking at this as the secret life of Nehemiah. This mm -hmm. is something that Nehemiah is not really writing with the intent of this being read by millions and millions of people. <laughs> Too bad. And so, uh, and, <laughs> and so he's, so he's kind of, He's kind of, you're, we're getting an insight into who Nehemiah the man yes. is mm, yeah. and, uh, and what kind of a leader he is. And I find this uh, chapter three to be such an awesome chapter because it shows he's an appreciative individual mm. he, that he takes note of who is working. Uh, he takes, he, he, he's a great individual because he equalizes, the wall equalizes everyone. Mm -hmm. And so he's a, the kind of leader that doesn't care about positional leadership. But it's like, look, we're going to have everybody working, whether you're a priest, whether you're a perfumer, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're, a, you're able to build a lot of the wall, a small part, portion of the wall. Nehemiah is a person who is going to just get the work done and include as many people as possible. And so when you look at that, you're kind of thinking, I, I think to myself, man, I want to be this kind of leader. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not, do Nehemiah is not doing this for show. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to say, hey guys, I'm an inclusive leader. Look at what <laughs> I did. You know, he's doing this for himself and we're kind of eavesdropping into his life and, and pulling this out. And so Nehemiah in many ways reflects who Jesus Christ Character is God, yes. and who we should be as leaders. We yes. should be leaders who include individuals, who find people and, and, and get, get them to a place where they're motivated mm. to do the work of God and most importantly, noticing the, the effort that people are investing, even though they're building right near their own homes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's zoom out from this a little bit. And what are some principles as leaders that we can take away from, from Nehemiah chapter 3? Maybe not something very specific from one verse, but in general, what do we know? What can we take? Well, and as Israel said, this is kind of like a secret Excel, Microsoft Excel sheet <laughs> that we got from his laptop. So what, we, what can we get? One is organization can be God-led. Yes. <laughs> Chaos yeah. is not, yeah, no. 
Okay, God is an organized God. He is. All right. See? God, God is into details. God is into details. And lead, good leaders care about the minutia. Minutia. Okay. Amen. Amen. And leadership gets involved with the community. You're not a person that's going to lead from the top down, but you're going to lead from within. Grassroots leadership. Everyone involved. This has been a blessing of a lesson for me, and I want to be a leader like as much as possible, like Nehemiah, who was like uh, Christ. And hopefully, that's the prayer for everyone here. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week as we continue in our study of Nehemiah on the principles of leadership here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.